Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Janet Namaste, and I'm here to help you awaken your hidden talents and gifts that you're destined to share with the world. So whether you're brand new to meditation, healing, regression, or well into your spiritual journey, this podcast will bring you the clarity that your heart has been seeking. You will hear beautiful and powerful stories from world-renowned healers and global change makers that will inspire you as you journey through your destined path. Join me as we dive in together. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Janet Namaste. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm Janet. I'm a professional intuitive healer, hypnotherapist, and I specialize in regression work and also in aligning people with their soul purpose, with their dharmic paths. I'm a host of this podcast. I'm founder of the Conscious Healers Academy, which trains soul purpose and spiritual life coaches and healers all around the globe, and also the founder of the Soul Star Membership, which is a beautiful platform that was born last March of 2022. And and it was really a dream of mine to really bring community back, especially after the pandemic. And this particular container, it's a sacred container that we meet twice a month. We do it on the first Tuesday and the third Tuesday of every single month where I show up live. We have healers besides me. We do channelings and transmissions and speak about various topics and delve into different workshops like inner child connection, numerology, chromotherapy, healing ancestral karma, constellations. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. I mean, community really is everything. And when we're aligned with what it is that we came here on this planet Earth to do, we are able to share um, very generously. And especially like when we're offering our gifts as a coach, as a teacher, we're helping someone step into the highest version of themselves, which is truly the greatest offering that we can do as individuals and as students and teachers. So if you're curious and want to dive deeper into spirituality, into a beautiful sacred community and experience what the Soul Star membership is about, then take a look on the show notes and you can utilize the code JN10 for an additional 10% off the membership and try it out. You'll be happy that you did it. Because honestly, community where you can be your most vulnerable self and being accepted of who you are unapologetically is so important, truly is, if we learn this at a very young age and acceptance and forgiveness and mercy and just, you know, seeing that all of us, you know, we have the God spark within, the world would be a much kinder place, right? There's so much competition and aggression And really it comes down sometimes to fear, to ego, the aspect of um, feeling that we have to do something in order to survive. But in reality, there's enough for everybody. And the, the main ingredient is love. And when we learn something, when we have something, when we attain something, it's not just for ourselves alone. We need to share it, serve it, 
bring it back. It's this full circuitry. It comes back to us tenfold in numerous different blessings. So it was a really beautiful weekend that I shared. Actually, it was four days. I just got back from the Catskills from a gorgeous, amazing retreat. And it was called Soul Evolution with other with 25 other individuals from all over, actually, the U.S. And we did different work of regression and progression and manifestation and shamanic work and chakras and really eliminating the woo-woo of what spirituality really is. And spirituality to me is just being truthful and honoring of what your individual soul spark came here on this planet Earth to do. And that, in a sense, will segue to the guest that I have on the show today. It is of great honor to connect with this man, Robert Schwartz, for a very long time. Um, I wanted to connect with him. I saw him many years ago, I want to say like eight or 10 years ago, something like that on YouTube. Um, and he shared his story. He is the author of Your Soul's Plan, which is super interesting. He takes um, a bunch of willing participants and they go, you, you got to read the book, but they go to mediums and psychics and different energy healers. And each of them have a different connection of what happens after death of they may have lost somebody. Um, somebody may have passed away that they really, really, truly loved. And or there's a certain karmic disposition that uh, I guess a re habitual or repetitive pattern that pops up in our lives. And sometimes we just don't know why it keeps on popping up. So through regression work, as you know, I've been doing that for 20 years, it really gets to the root of it. And there are other modalities, of course. And the brilliance of this man is that he took these willing participants and they went to different healers and teachers and he extracted the stories and shared it in this book. And it was so deep. It was so riveting. It was so moving. And I knew just like with Brian Weiss, I'm like, one day we're going to connect. It's just, you know, when souls are meant to meet, they meet, right? That's it. It's like we're part of some similar um, divine plan that is beyond our 3D vision. And I decided it was like maybe, I don't know, the beginning of 2022, I said, oh my God, let me make an appointment with him. I didn't even know that he took appointments and scheduled something on December 28th, which was a couple of days before my birthday. And here I completely forgot that I did this, thinking that um, when I saw him in my scheduler, I thought that I was the one that was actually going to do a destiny session for him. <laughs> And then I realized after when we connected that the hypno session was for me and he put me under, which is like, you know, um, maybe I think it's challenging, but according to Dr. Brian Weiss and to Rob Schwartz, it wasn't so challenging. There's when there's when there's a deep connection and there's a trust and there's a soul contract, you just you just surrender and trust. And what transpired, and maybe one day that I'll write a book about this, was um, 
I went to the death process. He regressed me into a past life and then took me to the death scene and then wanted to take me to where the council of elders were, but that didn't seem to happen. What happened in my experience was that I was beamed into a different star system completely, and it was my home, like completely my home. And the tears that were coming down through while I was under, you can't, it was as real as the realness that you're hearing my voice at this moment in time. And what I saw was it just these different aspects of love vibration. That's the only way I could explain it. I was the 13th love vibration. There were 12 other ones and they represented different attributes that were pre the universal laws. And it felt like I was beamed up in this huge spaceship. And in every single room of this spaceship was basically an educational, not just a library, but you go into the room and by sitting there through osmosis, you're absorbing the knowledge that your soul was ready to learn. It was wild. And then if I wanted to learn about physics, I would go into the physics room. If I went, it was pretty, it was amazing. And this, these are things that sometimes I see in my deep channelings and transmissions, but I really felt it in my core all around and I felt home. And here we are under hypnosis and here again, he's like, well, let's go back and let's, let's, why don't we speak with the council of elders? And I'm like, no, I'm home. I'm in my star system. And it's wild because as a child, um, my nickname, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the garbage pail kids here in the US, we had these things, the ice cream man used to come and we would get these garbage pail kids. And there was one was that was called Janet's Planet. <laughs> and that that was my nickname, Janet's Planet. And my husband always used to like make fun of me at times. And he's like, you know, I feel like I'm married to an alien. Well, who knows, right? Um, we're all souls having this ex human experience. We're from different galaxies, different dimensions, different star systems. If we think that Earth is the only planet that we're from or that the only planet that exists, it's pretty, um, it's pretty ignorant, right? That's just my opinion. That's my opinion. So it was really profound. So when Rob said, hey, um, love to do a podcast with you, when I asked him, I was just absolutely stoked. So I'm not going to ruin of what we spoke about because it's super, super, super um, interesting, like from the point of speaking about love and speaking about even of the darkness of certain things of Adolf Hitler, of really of, of the law of polarity and how we experience true unconditional love and how they're true unconditional love, those that have a choice, the souls that come in and they choose the opposite. So you're going to love this episode. And until next time, I hope to see you on the other side. Enjoy. So welcome, Rob, to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. This has been a dream of mine, really, to connect like this since the moment I saw 
I guess one of your interviews, it was probably at least 10 years ago, um, to be completely candid. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And then I just read all of your books. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Janet. Thank you. So before we begin and get into like the depth of the work that you do, it's so profound. It's um, incredibly healing. I want to speak about how you aligned with your life's purpose. Like, how did you find your life calling? Well, it took a long time, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm 60 now, and I really didn't align with it or find it in any way until I was 40. And that was just the start of finding it. So what happened when I was 40, three very important things happened all within just a few weeks of each other. I had my first session ever with a psychic medium in which she channeled my guides and they introduced me to the idea of pre-birth planning, which created quite a deep healing for me. And that kicked off my interest in writing a book on the subject. Uh, then I was introduced to a woman who has the ability to go into trance and channel her higher self. So I had the, the magnificent opportunity to spend about 15 hours talking with her higher self and was informed in great detail about how pre-birth planning works. And that 15 hours of channeling served as the foundation for all the books I went on to write. And then the third thing that happened uh, back in 2003, and this was really the most profound of the three experiences, I had this experience in which I was doing nothing more than walking down the sidewalk in the middle of a weekday afternoon. And all of a sudden, every time I looked at another person, this feeling of pure, overwhelming, unconditional love for that person flowed over me and through me. Now, I call it pure, overwhelming, unconditional love because that's as close as I can get in the English language, but there really are no words that even begin to touch this feeling. All I can tell you is it was not a human kind of love. It was a divine love, and it was a transcendent experience. And I was you could say that I was caused to know I was caused to know in this experience that we as souls are made literally from the energy of unconditional love. I got that message loud and clear. What I didn't know at the time was why this was happening. That became clear a couple of years later. By that time, I had looked at a number of people's pre-birth plans for my first book, Your Soul's Plan. And what I found in every case, no exceptions, the pre-birth plan was always based on great wisdom and total unconditional love for every person involved. And then I realized, aha, that experience walking down the sidewalk a couple of years ago, that was gifted to me so that when I found this result in my research, I would be absolutely certain that what I was finding was truth. So the combination of those three things got me to say, all right, I'll leave the corporate world where I had been for a number of years and I'll attempt to write a book about how we plan our lives before we're born. Uh, I did that. It took three years on a full-time basis. The whole time I was writing, I kept wondering, is anybody going to be interested in anything I'm writing here? And then it turned out there was a lot of interest. And it led to a completely new and much more fulfilling life in which I feel like I'm making a difference in the world, a difference in people's lives. Uh, and that is a whole lot better than my experience in the corporate world, I'll tell you that. What did you do in the corporate world? A, a number of different things, but for the most part, uh, marketing and communications, corporate writing 
of different kinds, which was tremendously unfulfilling. And I, I suppose more to the point, it had me feeling like I was not doing whatever was uniquely me. I was not fulfilling what I came here to do. I had this sense that if I fell off the face of the earth, all of my clients would just plug somebody else into my role and carry mm -hmm. them along. They probably wouldn't even notice I was gone. And that surely could not be the purpose that I came to earth for. No, it's like a replaceable type of um, energy. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah, but it's interesting how you mentioned that the barometer for you was that unconditional love feeling. That's how you knew it was real. Yeah, it, it was absolutely amazing. And it completely changed my understanding of who I am, who you are, who everybody is. Mm -hmm. um, I, I understood in this experience that we are all uh, this unconditional love energy. That's who we are. What would you define unconditional love? Uh, literally love with no conditions. So uh, that doesn't mean, you know, that if somebody is mistreating you in some way or doing something that's harmful in the world that you approve of or even sit idly by in the face of that. But it means that no matter what steps you feel guided to, to take in response, you still hold love for that person in your heart. And I understand, of course, that this is tremendously hard to do at the level of the personality. And so something I do, and I know other people do this as well, my wife does this, and we both find it works quite well. If somebody is behaving in a way that, that is really just incredibly challenging to love, we remind ourselves, this is not who this person really is. This is not who they are at a soul level. At a soul level, their unconditional love, just like everybody else, and when we meet them again on the other side, they will love us, we will love them. This is just a personality that is lost temporarily in illusion and the egoic mind. Right, of the 3D world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of survival. Do right. you think that sometimes that when people behave a certain way, is it according to the soul's contract or is it a projection of how we speak to ourselves? Well, I, I think either one of those things or both could be going mm -hmm. on at the same time. Uh, there are, you know, what we would call negative behaviors that are agreed upon before birth. And this is something that if you haven't been exposed to this idea before, initially, it's very hard to wrap a human brain around it. But we ask other people to play, quote unquote, negative roles in our lives because it, well, for a lot of different reasons, but one reason is that it's an opportunity to learn how to be unconditionally loving. You know, there are, there are many, many reasons, and we can talk about them, about why we plan challenges before we're born, yes. but they all have a common denominator. If you distill them down, we're learning lessons in how to more freely and fully give and receive love. That is the bottom line reason why every single person is here. Now, if everybody in your life were to always treat you with complete and total love, kindness, and respect, uh, that, that would be pleasant and enjoyable, certainly. But it doesn't give you the opportunity to cultivate unconditional love. You know, one of the things I found in, in my research for my books is that when souls are planning big challenges for themselves, a lot of the reason they do that is they want to cultivate certain qualities that are important to the soul. And I gave these qualities the name divine virtues. There's mm -hmm. a list of about 30 of them that we work with in my workshop now. 
Uh, one of them, of course, is unconditional love. You know, um, I'm going to mention to everyone because everyone knows who has been listening to my podcast or <laughs> or has been following me. I'm very honest and transparent. But when I had a session with you on December 28th, um, 2022, my life will never be the same. And I am the four Claire's. I am also a regressionist as well for 20, you know, 20 years. I've been in this realm of work. But the experience that I had with you, um, especially someone on the other side of sometimes we don't see it, we can help others. But when it comes down to our own situations, emotions get in the way, right? There's this like um, veil and you helped me get on the other side of the veil. And through that experience, speaking about the virtues and when after the past life experience and we traveled supposedly it was supposed to be to for the you know to meet the council but that's not what my soul actually agreed upon my soul went into a star system and there i met all of the virtues that were pre the universal laws and it was one of the most profound experiences of my life because when i tune in and do this work with others the foundation is like what you mentioned it's unconditional love it's a circuitry. There's no ego involved in it. There's no, it's just information that's given without getting attached to the results, right? But that experience that I had with you was beyond profound because I felt the vibration and the frequency of each color of the beings that surrounded me. There's always this feeling of that you're never alone, right? It, it's, you know, you're never alone. There's a difference of being lonely and being alone, but we are never, ever alone. And that feeling seems to be synonymous of the way that you're describing of when you're walking, when you walk, were walking after that experience you had. Now, everywhere I look, everywhere I, you know, and I, I am a very loving being, but now it's it's as if something shifted. I don't even know if it's ascension. I don't know what word I could put on it. I don't even know if there's a, a word in the English vocabulary that can describe that feeling that I felt, except that it felt like home. And those virtues that were there, it was 12 of them. And I was the 13th. And, you know, it, I, it was, it was so beautiful. And I thank you that. Thank you for that. You know, I'm going to ask you other things, but I just really wanted to begin this segment with just my gratitude, my deep, deep gratitude of the work that you do and for your courageous spirit to step out. And, do, you know, this is in 2003 where you could have been blacklisted and ostracized from society and the woo woo and the wizard and whatever it is. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you for that experience. Well, you're welcome. And the the things that you just talked about in your experience, uh, homecoming, that that's one of the great benefits of doing a between lives soul regression. It, it is literally going home in your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And you know, for the average person, that's the first time since coming into body that they experience true unconditional love from other beings. And it reminds them of what the other side, our home, is like. That is a tremendously comforting, uplifting, and reassuring thing to know. It is. But our human side, 
there's a yearning for that. And our human side, there's the ego's frustration of like, when is, when is this, when are people going to wake up without wanting to not, not wanting to judge, but just wake up, you know, there's, there's love all around you. Stop sweating the small things, stop complaining, stop, you know, the propaganda, the lies, the fears. Um, It's unbelievable. Yeah. But let's, let's speak a little bit about karma and Dharma and how the pre, like, what is the pre-birth plan? What is the whole process like? And when someone chooses that? Well, the, the gist of the process is that your pre-birth plan is created by your soul in consultation with your guides, angels, the masters who work with you, your council of elders, uh, and so forth. Once the plan has been created, you're informed of what the plan is. And the vast majority of people then agree to the plan, and then they incarnate. As I understand it, there's a very small percentage who start to feel human emotions like fear or doubt, primarily fear or doubt that the plan is too ambitious, they're taking on too much perhaps. If you express fear or doubt that it's too much, you will be reassured by your guides and higher self that this is for the highest good, not just your highest good, but the highest good of all beings. And the beings who are reassuring you, your guides and higher self, are beings of unconditional love. They're radiating unconditional love for you. So you feel that, you sense that, and that gives you confidence that what they're saying, that the plan is for the highest good, is actually true. So at that point, the vast majority who expressed fear or doubt now agree to the plan and they incarnate. But there's a small percentage of the small percentage who expressed fear or doubt, who continue to express fear or doubt. If you do that, then the plan is amended until it's completely acceptable to you. So bottom line, nobody is forced to do anything that they don't want to do. Is it amended because of the soul's free will or it's amended because the guides are like, all right, all bets are off. You're on your own, kid. <laughs> now, it's amended because all beings have free will and free will okay. is sacrosanct throughout the universe. So no one, not your higher self, not your guides, nobody who loves and guides you is ever going to say to you, you have to do this or you cannot do that. They will always, always respect your free will, even if you're headed down a path that to them doesn't seem to be particularly wise or particularly loving. So if you continue expressing fear or doubt that the plan perhaps is a bit too much, they will honor your free will and they'll amend the plan until it's completely acceptable to you. Hello, beautiful angel. So I just wanted for you to take a moment to pause and just take a deep breath in and exhale. And just tune into the awareness, the space that's right in between Inhale and exhale and allow your beautiful soul to listen to the voice that's inside your heart. For it always, always knows the truth. It always knows the way back home to you. It's the GPS of your eternal, your vibrant light. So, beautiful soul, let me ask you a question. Like, have you ever felt disconnected to what was in your 3D world, what appears to be your 3D world? 
and what you know is your potential. And if you have, like, did you ever have this aha moment, this spiritual awakening, and then ask, oh my God, what do I do with it now? So if you have been seeking a deeper meaning to your life's purpose or soul guidance or want to know the signs and what they mean and how to navigate through from this moment on, then I have the perfect place for you. And this is called the Soul Star Community. This is something where I, this has been my my dream of mine for so long because truly in the past few years, as the entire globe shifted, like don't you feel that now like we're in this accelerated version of earth school and we need to constantly adjust and process all of our experience in like this rapid pace, like all these life lessons into like a total brand new rebirth, which is happening every single moment. It's not just every year on our birthday. It seems like it's every day. You're not the same person you were yesterday. So this brand new rebirth is actually happening worldwide. You know, this has been quite the journey and we're evolving. We're truly evolving into the real us. And throughout my own life's journey, I've experienced numerous rebirths and incredible miracles that were accompanied by the divine, of course, like quantum healings of my own, my own family members and the tens of thousands of clients that I have had the honor of facilitating healings. So through the past few years, I have awakened more and more, like even more than I thought I could even imagine to the core of who I truly am. And I know from this moment on, as I took a vow that for the new continuous spiritually evolving me, that whatever role or energy that I surround myself with, it will only be one that is congruent to what my heart feels right. It's all about purposeful living and about surrounding myself with the right vibe, with the right beautiful community. And I just wanted to take a minute to invite you to this perfect nurturing space that I have created. It's called the Soul Star Membership. So this is a private VIP exclusive community for you angels that listen to the podcast, you know, that have followed me on the gram and that have been with me for quite some time. So even if this is your first time tuning in and your heart's resonating with what the pod is about, what my vibration is all about, what this whole entire message is, then check it out. Because every single month, the way that it's going to be structured is I'm going to be channeling in the energy transmission, the energy forecast of the month. And if you tune in live, you get an energy healing as well. So even if you don't show up live, don't even worry about it. It's going to be, everything is recorded on your portal. You have tons of meditations. We have incredible speakers and master classes, beautiful transmissions and channelings of the month. Like you're going to receive the most beautiful, beautiful PDF books every single month that you can grow and evolve with. It's basically like having your own measurable spiritual action plan. Like there's a coach, a spiritual angel that is right by your side as you are in this like beautiful membership. It's an incredible community that is global. And I've been in this realm of work 
over 20 years professionally, which is wild to me. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. And throughout the two decades of my professional experience as um, an energetic healer and um, the four clairs, I honestly have met the most incredible human galactic souls, truly, and they're all part of the community. So I invite you to join in and to be a part of this beautiful community. There are people from all over the world. So just check it out. It's, you can find me at Janet Namaste slash Soulstar. And for you loyal listeners of the pod, just type in the code JNPOD for an additional 10% off the membership. Your heart, your soul, and the beautiful people that you're going to be surrounded with will 100% be grateful for the choice that you made. So I am looking forward to meeting you, beautiful being. Of the experiences that you had with um, the thousands of clients, what do they all share that it looks like energetically when they are conversing with their guides with the plan? Is it a is it a co-creation of the plan? Is it certain virtues that they sign up for? Or is it a numer numerous virtues at the same time? So one of the ways in, in which I researched people's pre-birth plans was by going into people's pre-birth planning sessions and listening to the conversations that had taken place when everybody was setting up their plans. So th these conversations vary quite a bit uh, but basically, there are five main reasons I found why souls were planning big challenges. And I'll just rattle these off and we can talk about them if you like. Uh, the main reasons for planning challenges are balancing and releasing karma, healing, which refers to healing unhealed energies from past lives. Right. Um, being of service, experiencing contrast. Experiencing contrast refers to experiencing what we might call not love. And the fifth reason is healing or correcting false beliefs or false feelings about oneself. Now, you'll notice nowhere in there did I mention divine virtues. I, I didn't refer to it directly, but I referred to it indirectly in the third point, service to others. And so what's the connection? Well, when you raise your vibration by cultivating any of the divine virtues, that is a form of service to the world. In fact, it's actually the most powerful form of service for everybody. Even people who have missions that call for them to take a lot of action on the physical plane, your vibration is far more powerful, helpful, impactful, healing, uplifting to the world, to humanity, than any action you can ever take with your physical body. Uh, even if you did nothing in terms of physical action, your vibration would be a major form of service to the world. And there are people whose pre-birth plan is to do just that. Uh, they're sometimes called frequency holders. The plan is simply to radiate a vibration of, and it's usually one of the virtues, peace, joy, unconditional love, whatever it might be. That is a huge form of service. It's, the, it's like the humble healer in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Just, right. It's yeah. it's um just holding those frequencies. Like what what an honor. That it, it, it is an honor. If somebody understands what it is they're doing, they would feel honored to do that. 
do they understand what they're doing or it's they're just doing it? It's something that is in their subconscious. I think we have some of both. I mean, there there's a worldwide spiritual awakening going on. So a lot of people have awakened to yeah. the fact that they're eternal souls, that they have a pre-birth plan, that the plan contains a mission. Uh, some people know that their mission is to be a frequency holder and they know specifically what frequency they're holding. There are other people who just do all of this intuitively. They have no intellectual awareness of it. They're just being, human they're being. being. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. That's really wonderful. And then, so what would be like, um, once somebody completes, let's say, a particular life here, a journey, let's call it a journey, okay. and perhaps they completed it 60%, right? I mean, I know there are no mistakes, right? We learn through it. They're all stepping stones. Do they then sign another soul contract that has to do with that same theme that's playing in the background in addition to something brand new? Do you have to complete one thing? This is a Capricorn speaking. Do you have to complete? Because I complete my task. Do you have to complete one task in order to get the next task? Or it's some some sort of like multifaceted at the same time. So as I understand it, at the end of every incarnation, all of us have a life review. And Mm -hmm. basically, the life review is intended to uh, address the question, did you do what you came to do? Did you learn what you came to learn? Uh, If the answer to that question is no, uh, and frequently it is, by the way, and that is not judged or seen as a failure, then your soul most likely will have a sense of incompletion and will want to have another incarnation to complete what was left incomplete. But there's no external being or counsel that's telling you, you didn't finish what you came to do, you have to go back and finish it. It doesn't work like that. Most likely you yourself would feel incomplete and would want to go back. But if for whatever reason you feel complete with the experience, you're free to go on to something completely new. I know there was a segment in um, one of your books, forgive me, because um, I I don't remember which one. I think it was the first one where it was the theme was about suicide. That's in the second book, Your Soul's second, Gift. Second book? Yeah, Your Soul's Gift. Yeah, Your Soul's Gift. And the theme about suicide, what, you know, when a soul ends their, when their batteries don't supposed to run out and they basically hit the eject button, um, per se. What happens to that soul in the incarnate process? So uh, let me explain here that the, so the subject of the suicide chapter in your soul's gift uh, is an American woman whose name is Carolyn. Mm -hmm. And Carolyn lost her only child, a son named Cameron to suicide It happened just a few days after Cameron graduated from high school. So this was at a point in time where Carolyn thought he was about to go off to college, start doing these great and exciting things in the world. And instead, she came home one day and found that he had hung himself from a rafter in their attic. And she was the one who had to climb up there and cut the rope and bring the body down. So a terrible tragedy, certainly. She and I spoke uh, in a channeling session with Jesus at length about all of this. And at the beginning of the channeling session, I asked him, is suicide planned before we're born? 
And he says, it is never planned as a certainty, but it is planned as a possibility, a probability, or rarely a probability so high as to be almost certain. And then he says, that was the case with Cameron. Cameron was bringing back into body unhealed energies from past lives for the purpose of healing them. It was foreseen in his pre-birth planning that th these energies would cause extreme anxiety and depression, so much so that a suicide was highly likely, almost certain. Now, somebody will ask, well, why on earth would anybody plan a life like that? You have to understand some souls are very, for lack of a better word, ambitious. They want to accomplish a lot in a lifetime. And again, if you don't accomplish everything you set out to do, it isn't judged, it isn't viewed as a failure. Your soul may have a sense of incompletion, but that's it. There's no judgment, no sense of failure. So Cameron decided he wanted to take on a lot, and he did. Then Jesus steps aside, and Cameron comes into the channeling session. Mm -hmm. I remember. He, yeah, he reassures uh, Carolyn that this was not her fault. She's not to blame. He says it was completely my choice, my responsibility. And that, by the way, is the most common thing people who have suicided say when they're contacted through a medium or channel. They always say, this was not your fault or anybody else's fault. You are not to blame. It was completely my choice, completely my responsibility. So we talk with Cameron for a while about this. And he tells us that his experience after he took his life, uh, when he first transitioned back to the other side, he was in what he called a, a gray zone. He just saw a lot of gray around him. It wasn't a, a bad experience in any way, but he wasn't fully into the light either. Uh, then he sees his guides. And the guides explain to him, uh, you've taken your life, you've exited the physical body, you're back on the other side now. He actually was not aware of that because he was in, in a state of chaos and, and confusion at the time he took his life. Uh, then Cameron goes on to talk more about what he's doing on the other side, and he tells his mother uh, he's working with other teens who have suicided, helping them to make the transition. He talks about the beautiful home he's created for himself, uh, all the wonderful things about life on the other side. He assures her that he's well and thriving. Uh, and so as the conversation goes on, uh, the understanding that, that is conveyed to me is that very often, almost always actually, someone who takes their life will feel this in sense of incompletion that I've been talking about. And the reason they feel that, or one of the reasons, is that everybody has many pre-birth agreements with many other people. You're going to do this. You're not going to do that. You're going to help with this, and so on. Well, when you take your life, and then you're back on the other side, whatever it was you plan to do for all of these other people, you can't really do it anymore because you're not in a body to do it. So now, if you want to fulfill your agreements with all those people, the only thing you can do is, uh, and it's really done with a sense of franticness, is to, quote unquote, run around on the other side, trying to influence various people who are still in body to do all the things that you yourself agreed to do. And this is uh, a frustrating and unfulfilling experience because 
out of this large group of people who you're now going to try to influence, some of them will hear you, but some of them will not. And among the group that hears you, some of them will do what you ask them to do, and some of them will not. So ultimately, it's close to impossible to accomplish everything that you told people you were going to do for them. So there's this tremendous sense of unfulfillment and incompletion. And generally, those people will plan another incarnation, uh, often with the people who are still in body, whose contracts were left unfulfilled. Yeah, it's a feeling of defeat, right? Uh, yeah, to some extent. Yeah, yeah. It feels like um, all of the soul's themes are like, um, they're synonymous with Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, right? Mm -hmm. Since we were young, we have that calling. And then we're like, one day I'm going to do this. And then we hit the brick wall of frustration. And 99% of people, they drop whatever they were doing and go into doing in their comfort zone for a little bit until they no longer can. That calling comes louder and louder and louder and realizing that they could ask for support and they take the task and then the completion happens. That's like, it just seems like it's that pattern of, of Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, right? Yeah. And what I'm seeing in my work, if, if you ignore the calling of your soul yeah. long enough, then uh, things will happen that are intended to be a wake-up call. And there are very often things that from the level of the personality, you would consider to be unpleasant or challenging in some way. Uh, and specifically what I've seen in my research for the books, if you get a wake-up call in some form, let's say it's a car accident and it doesn't trigger your spiritual awakening or whatever it is you had planned to do in this lifetime, then often it will come back around in increasingly intense form. So then there's a second car accident, which is actually worse than the first. And if need be, there's a third car accident, which is actually worse than the second. Now, I'm somewhat hesitant to say this because the last thing I want is for anybody to go into fear over this. That's right. actually the opposite of what I want. But I think it is helpful for people to understand mm -hmm. that this does happen. And if you have this pattern in your life where the same kind of catalyst keeps coming back around again, and particularly if it keeps coming back in increasingly intense form, that is your soul really trying to get your attention about something. And it would be a good idea to pay attention. That's so true. And it's usually like the same thing over and over again. When someone says, yeah. here we go again, that's the calling. Like that's pay the calling. attention, right? Yeah. If your mind is saying, here we go again, that's pay it. really close attention. Exactly. What is it exactly? Right. Yeah. But they have to step away because they're they're in this like hamster wheel at times of of their comfort, of something that they're creating. What is like the difference of fate and free will. No, fate and destiny. Let's do that because free will is a choice, but is the hamster wheel something that we create through fate? So uh, I'm not sure if I understand the question. Are you asking how do pre-birth planning and free will, how can mm -hmm. we have Yeah, so we have a pre-birth plan. We come here on planet Earth subliminal message comes on and says, hey, Janet, Rob, you're here to be happy. Okay, great. Where's my happiness? 
<laughs> and we're searching for our happiness, searching, searching, like, ah, this is okay, but it's not fulfilling. This is okay, it's not fulfilling. But then we, according to the idea of what we think happiness is, and then those callings, the the here I go again starts happening. That for me, in my definition, is fate, like creating some mishugas, like uh, that, you know, some some web that probably I could have been avoided, but it was the ego's comfort thing that you you shouldn't be there. Like wake up and step into what you were meant to be doing. So my question is, is how do we decipher between fate and free will? So here's a, a hypothetical story that I, I think will answer that question. Okay. Let's say that there is a soul, and we'll just call this person Sally. And Sally has had a number of past lives in which uh, she made certain plans before coming into body. But then when she got here, she deferred to the wishes of others. She let other people tell her how to live her life, which is not an uncommon thing to do. So she has a life review at the end of each of those incarnations. She sees that she has this tendency to do as others tell her to do. She doesn't like that. And she decides to carry it back into body energetically for the purpose of healing it. So that's her plan. Let's say that there's another soul in her soul group. And we'll just call this person George. George has the opposite plan. George has had a number of past lives in which he dominated others, exercised power over others inappropriately. He sees that in his life reviews. He doesn't like it. And like Sally, he decides to carry it back into body energetically for the purpose of healing it. Now, because Sally and George are in the same soul group, Sally is aware of George's pre-birth plan. So she goes to him before either of them is incarnated, and she says something like, hey, George, I'm taking back into body the energy of deferring to others for the purpose of healing it. I see that you're taking back into body the opposite energy, the energy of dominating others, also for the purpose of healing it. Why don't you and I make a pre-birth plan? And let's say we'll agree to marry at the age of 30. And our intention is that even though this is likely to be a turbulent marriage, I will learn to stand up for myself and you will learn to respect the wishes of others. And George says, this is a great idea. Let's do it. So that's their pre-birth agreement. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say that when Sally is in body and we'll say 25 years old, she gets a job with an employer who is treating her with a profound lack of respect and kindness. She marshals her internal resources and she takes a stand. She says to her boss, stop, you may not treat me this way. If you want me to keep working here, you must treat me with respect and kindness. In the moment she takes a stand like that, there's a huge increase in her vibration. Yeah. Now, if she can sustain the heightened vibration until she's age 30, now one of two things will happen. Either she and George never meet because her vibration is up here, his is here, and they go right past each other. Or if they do meet, there's no attraction, again, because their vibrations are so dissimilar, they have one date and then nothing comes of it. So in this hypothetical example, Sally has used her free will to learn the plan lesson, which was to stand up for herself. That in turn obviates the need for the plan challenge, the turbulent marriage. Now, somebody is going to say, well, what about George? Doesn't he still have to learn to respect the wishes of others? Yes. And he will now draw to himself 
another relationship or some other set of circumstances, they will provide him with that opportunity. And if he doesn't learn it there, it will come back around and come back around and come back around, probably in increasingly intense form. But the point being that there's this intersection between pre-birth planning and free will. Basically, if you use your free will to learn the lessons, then the challenges that were planned don't have to happen anymore. So it neutralizes and the karma, well, the the lessons neutralized. The lessons neutralized. And there's, there's actually another way you can, quote unquote, neutralize the lessons. So my, my wife is a channel. She channels. Yeah, she's a, great. I've seen her. She's incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, she channels a, a collective, a group consciousness, a very highly evolved loving beings who we call the beings of light or BOL for short. And the way the BOL have explained this to us, and they say there, everybody has many sets of pre-birth plans. And if you think of a stack of sheets of paper, every sheet in the stack is one set of your pre-birth plans. Everybody has their own stack of sheets of paper. Now, the sheets vary according to vibration. The sheets that are at the top of the stack, those are the highest vibrational sets of plans. That's where most of the learning is done through love, peace, and joy, not so much through pain and suffering. The sheets at the bottom of the stack, those are the lowest vibrational plans. That's where most of the learning is done through pain and suffering, not so much through love, peace, and joy. So obviously you wanna get yourself as high on that stack of sheets of paper as you possibly can. There are many ways to raise your vibration in order to do that, but basically it comes down to being the most loving person you can be. Anytime you have to make a decision, if you ask yourself the question, what would love with a capital L do now and do whatever that is, that will catapult you up your particular stack of sheets of paper. And then, some of those planned catalysts no longer need to happen. That's incredible. That's incredible. I actually, that's, I've been doing that. That's something that I've, I've always done since I was a little girl. It's um, the, I, it was not just what your higher self would do, but it was what love would do. Yeah. What would love do? And that somehow took me out of the emotions of it and allowed me to be the objective, you know, the ego seeing in, uh, you know, the whole entire um, view. Do you think that earth has its own soul plan? Like, you know, the earth, earth in itself is going through an ascension process as well. And there's so many planets out there. I always joke with you of like where you live. Um, there's so many planets that are out there and earth is definitely a dense energy of, you know, um, to say the least. And we learn a lot here through pain and suffering. Um, and Earth kind of hiccups sometimes and says, wake up through, I guess, through hurricanes, through natural disasters. And that's when I feel people then come together during just the, you know that moment. And then things like then settle a little bit and people forget and they go through their 3D lives. And then boom, again, Earth happens again. So... How is this whole soul's agreement with even the planet that we're living on? <laughs> like, are we all, every single human on this, on this planet, are we all part of one collective soul family? Well, we're all part of the one. There's only one being in existence in the right. universe. 
And mm-hmm. so in that sense, yes. Um, it, it is my understanding that our individual plans intersect with Gaia's plan, which is to go up in vibration just as we are going up in vibration. Um, you know, when you talk about natural disasters, uh, in one of the channeling sessions I did, I think it was for Your Soul's Plan, and this actually didn't get into the book, but I want to share it with people now. We were talking about the tsunami that hit Southeast Asia a number oh, yes. of years ago. It was during Christmas. I yeah. remember Christmas, the holidays during. Mm-hmm. So you might remember there were about 100,000 people who were killed. I asked what happened there. And the response from the spirit was that those 100,000 souls, their plan before any of them were born, they looked at the state of the earth and they said, we want the earth to be at a particular vibration by a certain point in linear time. And if it looks like it's not going to get there, then we agree to give our lives in a large-scale natural disaster. Because as you just said, we know the result of that will be this worldwide outpouring of love and compassion that will elevate the frequency of the entire planet. And that's exactly what happened. You had all the governments of the world put aside their differences to cooperate and funnel aid into Southeast Asia. That worldwide outpouring of love and compassion catapulted the frequency of the entire planet those souls accomplish exactly what they set out to do. So true. It's so true. What about the evil in the world, though? Like now with wars, I'm not going to speak about politics or anything like that, but in terms of we know that the contrast of anti-love, the opposite of love, but there is, let's talk about even like energy like Hitler. I mean, this is pure Hitler, Stalin, the dictators. I said I wasn't going to talk about politics, but it's, these are individual souls with their dictatorship that had such power over people that even like their the hate bred more hate. You know, how where do these souls come from? Are they even like from this from one? Where do they actually come from? Well, the, the, the answer to that question might vary quite a bit depending upon who we're talking about. But since you mentioned Hitler, and since I know something about that, let's talk about Hitler. So I've asked, what was Hitler's pre-birth plan? And this answer may surprise and even shock you. But apparently, the plan his soul came up with originally was for him to be a great spiritual leader. And so his soul equipped him with gifts that were intended to facilitate that, gifts of charisma, oratory, rhetoric, and so forth. Now... We talked earlier about free will. Everybody always has free will. Mm. Hitler apparently had a very difficult childhood, and he used his free will to respond to that pain by going 180 degrees in the opposite direction of what his soul had planned. So he took those gifts of charisma, oratory, and rhetoric and used them to do what he went on to do. So this was completely contrary to the plan of his higher self. Now, people always say, well, where is Hitler now? What finally happened to him? I asked that question as well. The answer I got is that he's back on the other side. He is aware of what he did here, all the harm he caused. And so as a form of self-punishment, he's recreating over and over again his death, which apparently was very painful. Now, it's important to note here He's not being punished by God or some being external to himself. This is a form of self-punishment. 
but he's surrounded by angels and guides and other masters and beings who are beaming love and light to him. He just can't perceive it. At some point, he will perceive it. Sometime thereafter, he will choose to stop punishing himself and actually move into the light. And then at that point, most likely, he'll feel he's got an awful lot of karma to balance, and he'll start planning many, many incarnations to balance it. But this is all up to him and his free will. Nobody is punishing him. He's doing this to himself. It's like that stack of books that you were speaking about. It's his is all the way on the bottom that led of where you, you were yeah. saying about the lessons that are, but are the, the people that have suffered through his, his um, free will choices, the ancestral um, lineage of that, the suffering that has like, you know, from, I guess now they're probably in their eighties and nineties for those people that have survived. Right. Um, and then they have children and the children and children have children, right? So it goes through the DNA. That one soul had such a profound impact on generations. Like, does some, like did those millions of people have a soul contract with that? So th this is where we get into an area that I'm still not clear on myself. And I, I want to research this for a future book. So some of the souls, that, some of the people who were victimized by Hitler, they would already have been here in body before he came into body. But then you have other people who were victimized by Hitler who came into body after he was already in body. So oh, wow. for, some, for some of these, they could have anticipated what was going to happen if they're incarnating far enough after he did and said, all right, th this is horrible, but I'm going to work with it. Perhaps I'll be the light within the Holocaust experience. And there are many souls who did that. But then you have other souls who could not have known in advance of the free will choice Hitler was going to make. And so this makes me think, and I, I've seen this in other aspects of my work, that unplanned things can and do happen, and that incarnating on the earth plane is risky because you can get caught in a situation similar to what happened with some of these people whose lives intersected with Hitler. My understanding is the same thing happened with Joseph Stalin in Russia. Yes. Stalin was not supposed to be the brutal dictator that he turned out to be. And so you had a number of souls incarnating into Russia, thinking they were going to have one kind of experience and getting something completely different. So there does appear to be risk involved in this. Now, from the human level, it seems almost unimaginable that we would be willing to take such a risk. But something I know from all of the research I've done into pre-birth planning, when you're back on the other side, your view of an incarnation on Earth is completely different than it is when you're here. And specifically, you know from the other side that a lifetime is actually very short. Nobody is permanently harmed by anything that happens here. And yet the wisdom becomes part of you literally for all eternity. So from that vantage point, that a lifetime is short, no one is permanently harmed by anything that happens here. The wisdom becomes part of you for all eternity. From that vantage point, it actually does make sense that souls would be willing to take that risk. Yeah, it's like a, it's a gamble. <laughs> it's literally going to Atlantic City and and ga and gambling of you know which do I place on the red or the black? <laughs> yeah, but again, the gambling is from the level of the personality, the human exactly. perspective. 
If you're back on the other side and you know that nothing that happens is going to permanently harm you in any way, then there really is no gamble. No, it's um, just having that faith, having that faith. Um, Are our guides always with us? I mean, I feel it. These are, I'm asking you questions of some things that I know for a fact, but I want our viewers and our listeners to really like hear from the experience um, of all your clients. Are, and then if our guides are with us all the time, what are certain signs that they are there and how can we best communicate with them when we're not under hypnosis? My, my understanding is that your guides are with you literally all the time. Unless, and I don't know who would do this, but unless you actually say to them, go away, leave me alone, I don't want you guiding me. And even if you do that, what they're going to do then is step back and stop actively guiding you, but they'll be watching you so that when you change your mind, and you will, and invite them to come back in, then they're ready to step back in. But I don't know anybody who would just tell their guides to go away. I'll tell you a story about that in one second. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But uh, I don't think that that would be a very wise decision. In terms of signs to look for, I think it varies from person to person. Uh, You can ask for particular kinds of signs. Uh, It's a good idea to ask. A lot of people say ask for three signs so that there's no ambiguity that you're getting a sign. But it can be anything that is meaningful to you. Uh, For example, this is not about a spirit guide, but it's a a related story. After my father died, which was about 12 years ago, I started seeing cardinals everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I had the distinct sense that he was sending them to me as a way of saying, I'm still here with you. So now whenever I see a cardinal, I have the feeling that my father is there with me. And your guides operate in much the same way. They'll have something like that, that you will recognize. It has significance to you, could be almost anything, uh, but they'll have something like that to let you know that they're there. Yeah, that's true. Like my grandmother, when whenever I think of her or I ask for support, I will find pennies. Yeah. I'll find pennies. If it's um, a friend of mine who passed, um, she was young, she was in her 30s. Um, they're usually those dove birds, like the the doves, like they usually in pairs. But um, yeah, it's always just, you just have to be aware and present to actually, and give that space for the sign and validation to show up. Because sometimes we're just go, 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 we get caught up. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to know that there are different modes of receiving information from spirit of receiving signs. So it might be something visible and tangible, like what we've just talked about. But for a lot of people, their main mode of receiving information from spirit isn't visual. So you might hear something in particular, and it might not be a physical sound, it might be an internal sound. Or maybe your mode of receiving information is feeling emotion. So your guides create a certain feeling within you to let you know that they're there. A lot of times it just comes as a knowing and you don't even know how you know, but you know that knowing is created often by your guides. Yeah, it's the four clairs, exactly. It's depending on what you're in tune, right? Exactly. So the story I wanted to share with you is I'm the four clairs, claircognizant, clairsentient, clairaudient, and clairvoyant. My children are also 
naturally their um, their Claire's as well. My daughter actually was born blind, but she could see. She's oh. she's my miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a condition that would have caused permanent blindness. My son also had surgery when he was younger as well, but they're um, they're teenagers now. They're three years apart, but since they were young. Um, this has been their realm. Like I've used to meditate with them. I taught them if, you know, how to speak with their angels and guides and connect. Um, and I remember my son was three years old and he wanted to shower by himself. Like he was three. And I, I remember telling him, I'm like, I really need, I have to be in the bathroom. It's okay. The guides will be there. The angels will be there. And I said, I know it's actually like, I have to, I'll be on the side. He said, okay, just don't look at me. Fine. And I'm sitting there and I hear him saying, angels, guides, can you please just leave and give me privacy right now? (laughs) (laughs) So he spoke out loud at age three. And I think if children are exposed to this type of realm at a very young age, and it's not taboo, they'll realize that we are, it's, we're multidimensional beings and they can go through life the way you went through when you had your awakening and saw everything with unconditional love. The world would be a much kinder place than the harshness of sometimes social media that although we need it at this time, like for good things, like that's the connectivity here, we can zoom, it's beautiful. But on the shadow aspect of it, the harm that it causes and the constant hypnosis that may not necessarily be so good for our youth and at any age to be completely candid, you know? Yeah, I don't think it is. But coming back to your son, fortunately, he said right now and didn't just send them away globally forever. (laughs) I have to remind him he's now 15. I have to remind him just to call them back just to make sure that 12 years didn't lapse. (laughs) And he was on his own. If if so, then he was he's a pretty lucky kid then. <laughs> oh goodness. So what advice would you give um for people that have a natural ability where they have they know that there's a calling, there's something else, but they sometimes fear of going under hypnosis or experimenting or this is it's I mean, listen, I have a degree in education in computer science. So when Dr. Weiss, I I mentioned that story to you about how we met when I was chosen to be one that got um, hypnotized under national television. I said, there's no way I'm going under. I'm such an alpha female. But I did. And the answers that I got was was um, it was so beautiful and it brought so much solace and peace but what kind of advice would you give for others that are seeking some sort of solace and peace in their life, but they just don't even know how to begin in the hypnosis world, in the lives between lives world? What would you tell them where to start, how to start? Well, the, the between lives regression is the most profound and the most transformative experience I know of. So I think that's what you want to aim for. Uh, the key to going into trance in any form of hypnosis is to be able to relax deeply. So if you feel like you're reasonably skilled at relaxing, you could just start off with the between lives regression. Uh, there probably wouldn't be any point in going in another direction. Now, if you think that you probably can't go into trance because you can't relax deeply, then you need practices to help you relax. 
meditation is fantastic preparation for doing any form of hypnosis. Uh, it's best to have a daily long-term practice, but you could also do it short-term in the weeks or even the days leading up to whatever form of hypnosis you choose to experience. Now, if you're still concerned that you won't go into trance or hypnosis just doesn't resonate for some reason, then there are many different options available to you. Uh, you can work with mediums or channels, which a large part of my work has been based on. Um, and there, there are so many other resources available now, spiritual practices, teachers of all different kinds, workshops, seminars of all different kinds. There, there are more people doing this kind of work uh, globally and who are readily accessible and available than I think at any point previously in human history. It used to be confined to mystery schools. Yes. And the average person didn't even know that there was a mystery school mm -hmm. or how to find it. But now the mystery schools are in workshops that are advertised online. And all you have to do is log into your Zoom account and then presto, you're in a mystery school. So in that regard, things are better than they've ever been. Just trust the law of resonance. Whatever resonates with you, that's your guidance. That's your higher self and your guide saying, yes, this is the way for you. I love that. I love that. The law of resonance sent, you know, connected me to you. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you. And our viewers and listeners, they'll thank you too. Um, and if someone wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way? Um, do you offer personal sessions still? I do. Uh, there, there's a wait of a number of months, but if you yes. don't object to that, uh, you can go to yoursoulsplan.com, click on sessions in the main menu, all the information about the Between Lives Regression is there, including a one-hour video of an actual Between Lives Regression. So you can actually see what happens in this kind of session. Uh, and then go to the events page. All of the different workshops are on there. Uh, we have a Shift Network course starting in about a month. That's on there. Just click on the different links. And again, trust the law of resonance. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, Rob. I hope that you come back on the show because I could I could have spoken with you for another five hours. <laughs> well, I'd be honored to come back on. And thank you for doing the show. You're bringing a lot of light into the world. Thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. Thank you so much. And until next time, thank you everyone for tuning in and we will see you on the other side. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please do rate the show, share it with a friend. This is how we can get the word out and have more people listen to this episode and other ones that you may have been inspired by. It really truly means a lot. And once again, if you are looking to attend a live event or any online events, check out JanetNamaste.com slash events. Thank you again for your beautiful hearts. Until next time, namaste. Namaste.